All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that our hearts and our minds would be open to your voice. We pray that the word of God would come alive to us. And we pray that as Kevin has spoken, that we would get more and more free from the bondage and the slavery to sin. And more and more liberated to be able to serve you with everything we have and everything we are. I pray this morning that you'd fill my mouth with the words that that would give life and that you would help what I say to be clear, Lord Jesus. More than anything else, as always, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would say more than I say this morning. And I pray in your name. Amen. The Tale of Two Fears, two-part series. We obviously began part one or did part one last Sunday in uh, dealing almost exclusively with the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. And uh, I would uh, recommend if you weren't here or uh, you just want to hear it again, it's available on the, the, uh, the YouTube it's also available on Facebook. It's also available in audio only on the p- podcast on iTunes. So the tale of two fears. The fear of God makes us proactive for the kingdom. In other words, we are engaged in his service. If you have a healthy fear of God you're going to be engaged in his service. You're going to want to serve him. You're going to be almost driven to serve him in some capacity. The fear from the enemy, which is what we'll deal with mostly today, causes us to shrink back or to withdraw. The fear from the enemy, as we'll see in a little while, grips us and holds us. It's like all of us have had a dream At some point, when we're running, and when I'm running in my dream, I'm not the usual blue flame behind me speedo that I usually am, you know. (laughs) But I'm running in molasses almost. And you've done that. Everybody's had that dream where you just, you can't move. And that's what the fear that comes from the enemy does to us. The goal for you and for me, is to be governed by the Lord and not by the fears that come from our accuser. Too many people, and I'm talking about too many Christians. Everybody say Christians. Christians. Too many Christians are governed, their lives are governed by a fear that does not come from God. And it's not the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of something else. I know that people sitting in this room, and I know that people watching online all across the country, maybe around the world, I don't know. I know there are people who right now know that they're living in the grip of fear. I pray that the word of God that is read and spoken today will set people free from that. It's interesting that uh, when Kevin was talking, I had this verse in my notes. 
and I took it out for the sake of time, but I'll just read it. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You hear that? You did not. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So slavery and fear go together. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Everybody who's been born again has been adopted into the family of God. I'm not going to spend any time there. 2 Timothy 1, verse 1, if you would turn. I, I'm, not going to, I'm going to read verse through verse 14 for the sake of context. I'm not going to try to cover all 14 verses, so don't get nervous. Um, but if you would stand while we read the sacred scriptures. I'm reading again from the English Standard Version. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. This is a spiritual father writing to his spiritual son. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure it dwells in you as well. What would we do without grandmothers and mothers, people? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Obviously, we'll come back to this verse. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control or sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us or dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You can be seated. We could read on, but we're not, we're not going to. Only When we think about fear, when we think about the, two, the tale of two fears, we have to first of all do a little overlap and tell you this. Only fear God. Let's say that together. Only fear God. Samuel, uh, Samuel stated this. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully. 
with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. Only fear the Lord. Uh, and again, I, you know, going back to last Sunday, I can't redo it, but, I, but we stated that, uh, that we need a healthy fear of God. Uh, and matter, as a matter of fact, we need to be just a little bit afraid of God. Not cowering, afraid he's going to crush us, but just a little bit of afraid. Donna Westfall sent me something this week. She reminded me of a C.S. Lewis quote, and I should have put it on a slide. Uh, but in The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, you'll remember Mr. Beaver. Somebody said something about the, the lion of Aslan, Aslan the lion, being uh, dangerous or being safe. And Be- Mr. Beaver said, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And that's the fear of God we're talking about. No, he's not safe. If he was safe, he wouldn't be much good to us as a God. He'd be like one of us. Only fear the Lord. Uh, listen to these words from the Gospel of Luke, verse tw- uh, chapter 12. He said, I tell you, my friends, this is Jesus speaking. Do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, they have nothing more they can do. Don't you love that? Don't be, don't be afraid of those people who can kill your body. By the way, let me just say this. There are worse things than death. Worse things than dying. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body because after that, there's nothing else they can do to you. They can't, there's nothing. And, and by the way, you get to go to heaven. Somebody said, that man up there is crazy. Well, I didn't say these. Jesus is saying this. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Well, it's not very nice, is it? Actually, it is very nice. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, some of you, it's not, it doesn't take him long. <laughs> fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Doesn't make you feel good. You're more important than a bird. Don't fear, don't fear that one who can take your life. I mean, obviously you gotta be cautious in all those things, but don't be afraid. You know, I, I wish I heard a dialogue recently with someone who was being interrogated by a terrorist or something. And, you know, what if I, what if I do this? What if I, and the, and it, the, the, the Christian had an answer for everything. And the last answer was, what if I just put, put a bullet in your head right now? He said, man, you'd be doing me a big favor. I'd be right in front of Jesus. So, you know, you, they can't win. Don't fear. Only fear God. Be strong. The Bible talks about being strong and of good courage. We'll come back to this, but it often says, do not fear or be dismayed. Now, the fear that comes from our enemy is a fear that paralyzes. It's a fear that knocks us off of our mission. For when we are afraid of, and I'll name some things in a little while, but when we're afraid of what's in front of us and we're afraid to move, we're paralyzed. We can't move. 
because we're afraid. I can't go there because we're afraid. Now, I don't want anybody to get bent out of shape. If you do, uh, don't ask me to put you back in shape. I'm not a shaper. I don't, I'm not intending that this should be for everybody. But when the supposed pandemic hit and we were told, man, don't you go anywhere. You need to hide. Again, I'm not saying you should have done this, but me and that lady right there, we went everywhere we wanted to go. We did everything we wanted to do. We didn't do any of that nonsense. It was nonsense to us. I declared that day I was not going to do stop doing things out of fear. Now we there were some things we watched. We were cautious. We, you know, I didn't get within six feet of people. But the fact is, I don't do that anyway. <laughs> I said, I said this social distancing thing was right up my alley. And it wasn't that I wanted to be um, antagonistic or it was just that I refuse. Everybody say refuse. I refuse to be governed by fear. I will not. I'll die and go to heaven. <laughs> I was in the hospital in January. They thought I was going to die. They said, did you think you was going to die? I said, no, I never thought about it. <laughs> I never did. They said, well, you, you, you're sick. I said, well, I know I'm sick. And they, I mean, I mean, I'm still finding out how much it scared my family. Maybe some of y'all too. I know y'all. Maybe I don't know. But, but when I look at stuff, other than making my family sad, hey, that's a promotion. But I'm not going to do anything out of fear. Oh Lord, somebody just got mad at me. The fear that comes from the enemy is debilitating. It, it weakens us. It makes us feeble. And the mission of the kingdom of God is a linear mission. It's linear. It's going from one point to another. When we see the words go and make disciples, the word make disciples is one word in the Greek and it's matateo, which is where we get our word mathematics from one point to another. It's a mathematics is a linear term. And the enemy would love to keep you and keep me from moving in a linear fashion forward, proactive for the kingdom of God. The enemy would love to paralyze us. The fear of the enemy keeps us from moving forward with our hand on the plow. You taking notes right down Luke nine sixty two. Keeps us from moving forward. Jesus said, anybody put their hand to the plow and looks back, they're not fit for the kingdom. So here's the point. Put your hand to the plow and look forward. And plow. And when you're plowing, make sure you got your bag of seed with you. What's the seed? Luke tells us what the seed is. It's the word of God. It's our testimony. It's the seed that we sow into people's lives. 
in the parable of the talents. We're not going to turn, but you'll remember there were some folks that got some talents. Uh, and then there was the last guy got one. This same thing works in the parable of the minus. And uh, in the parable of the talents, he said, uh, the, uh, here's your talent back. I was afraid. I was afraid, and so I hid, and I withdrew. The, in the parable of the miners, he said, I took your, I took your miner and I put it in a handkerchief and I wrapped it up and I protected it because I knew that you were a demanding sort of a fella. And then when you came back, you'd be, you'd be upset. Why did, he, in that parable, why did either one of those guys do what they did? They were afraid. They had, they were gripped by fear. Hebrews says, but we are not of those. Who shrink back. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed or ruined. But we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We are of those who shrink back. We are not of those who shrink back, but we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The master in that story did not want his talent back. He handed him his talent back, and he was upset. He said, what he wanted was a, a productivity and increase. He said, why didn't you go put it in the bank? Uh, if you haven't read the most recent Kernels of Truth, I know the guy who wrote it. I recommend reading it. But in that Kernels of Truth, that guy, who happens to be me, said, isn't it interesting that God uses the example of capitalism to teach this lesson? I'll leave that alone. He wanted productivity. He, he wanted increase. The others took the talents and the minas that he gave them and they increased them. This one, he just went and hid because he was afraid. Sometimes we have a mission that God has us on and we're so afraid. We're so paralyzed with fear. We can't move. And our enemy knocks us off that mission. And instead of productivity and increase, God just gets us like we are, and we haven't put our hand to the plow at all. We've been hiding in a corner. The Apostle John writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why? For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The fear that the enemy would like to torment you with is the fear that would major or focus on punishment. And that's what the the in the parable that Jesus told, the two parables, the guy who didn't invest the, the talent or the minor, he, what, what was the problem? He was afraid of the punishment. And yet... He did what would exact punishment. And that what he did was nothing. <laughs> he thought nothing would be good. It reminds me of Jesus to the letter in the churches. If, I, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be hot or cold, Jesus said. I'd rather you be all the way or none. That middle of the stuff makes Jesus literally in the vernacular. Sick at the stomach. I'll clean that up for you. But the perfect fear, 
I mean, I'm sorry, the perfect love, it casts out fear because the perfect love comes from God is love. It casts out fear. He said, well, the devil's fear has to do with punishment, but the fear of God has nothing to do with punishment. It has something to do with awe and reverence and deep respect of this awesome God. Perfect love casts out this debilitating, paralyzing fear that we, we worry about God if he's going to pounce on my head. Every one of us in this room, from time one time or another, we have said to ourselves, what did I do to cause God to do this to me? Or if I do that, God's going to crack my coconut. Everybody has. And let me just tell you that if you go into sin, if you go into a sinful lifestyle, I pray God judges you. I pray God punishes you. I pray God makes your way difficult. Not so I can get rid of you. Not so he can get rid of you. Remember, God's judgment is always intended to bring us back. Not to eliminate us. I heard someone say this week, one of the problems we have with the current generations, and I don't know if it was X or double X or double XL or, uh, you know, I, all I can tell you is that I'm a baby boomer. Other than that, I'm lost. But one of the problems we have with the current generations is that we not, have not allowed our children to struggle. We tried to make everything, and I'm probably just as guilty. We tried to make everything easy. My boys probably wouldn't say so, but anyway, they're not here. Could be watching. But we, we have not allowed them to struggle. We try to make everything easy on them. Oh, and you know, we, you used to be a kid got in trouble at school. If I got in trouble at school, I got trouble when I got, again, when I got home. If I got paddled at school, I can, I knew when I got home, I had another one waiting on me. But now, we get mad at the teacher. We run to the school because we're mad at the teacher today because we don't want little is Johnny here? No. We don't want little Johnny to struggle. I want to let you know something. God wants you to struggle. He wants you to work your way through stuff. So is he mad at me? No, if he was mad at you, he wouldn't want you to struggle. He wouldn't even bother with you. But if you go off on your own way, you're going to be punished. Because why? Because God hates you. No. Because God loves you. Lord, help me. He said in, in verse 7, we, God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, some of your Bibles will say there. And this is obviously comes from our text. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He didn't give us timidity. And sometimes... Uh, if you want to attract the attention of a demon, uh, let's just say it this way. It, someone, we, Wednesday night we read the verse in our small group, which, by the way, I highly recommend John and Donna in this small group. And even if you're, if you're in a small group that's getting too large, go to theirs. We don't need large small groups. We need small small groups. As a side note, almost everybody who goes to a small group today started at ours at the Hullets. But it kept getting bigger, and they go 
kept getting bigger, and they'd go over here. And kept, so we have multiple small groups. It started at the Hullett's home group. So anyway, that's a, enough of a commercial. We read the verse Wednesday night in our small group that when, when Judas took the morsel of bread and, and took it, the Bible says Satan entered Judas. Satan entered. Satan entered Judas. Why would Satan enter Judas at that moment? Well, I'll tell you why. Let's just say you have a problem with greed. And you are constantly greedy. And let's just say when you see a woman anointing the feet of your master with some very valuable anointing oil, and all you can think about is the money that could have brought. And you pretend to be concerned about the poor. And you say, well, we could have sold that and given it to the poor. But we already know that you've been pilfering from the till. And you weren't interested in the poor. You was interested in some more pilfering because you are greedy. And you, you greedy and you're greedy. And the enemy who's been walking around your life like a castle looking for a crack looking for an opening. The enemy says, greed. Oh, okay. Oh, he's been greedy. Oh, greed. I believe I can get involved in some of that. All of a sudden you, you can, you can, you can say, well, can a Christian have a demon? Of course, I've always said, I don't know why you'd want one. (laughs) Can a Christian be influenced by a demon? Absolutely. That sucker will latch onto you in that area. And you'll all of a sudden be doing stuff you didn't, you don't know how to, what, how you got there. Now you need deliverance. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. Because if you're fearful long enough, that spirit of fear running around in the kingdom of darkness is going to come looking for you. So I believe I can get involved in there. Jack Hayford had the greatest image of this. He said, it's not that a, not that a Christian is demon possessed in the sense of ownership or, or they've lost their salvation, but it's demon influenced in the sense that the devil comes along and says, Oh, I see that greed. And he puts a fish hook right there boop, in your flesh with a string and he's tugging on you. And what is deliverance? Removing the fish hook. That's all it is. It's not Spirit of fear is not just a human disposition. It's not that you're just the kind of person that naturally fears. The spirit of fear is not from God. So God didn't give us this spirit. He didn't give us this, this fear that's governing our lives. It can immobilize and torment its victims. And what follows when we're given to a spirit of fear, what follows is indecision or wrong decisions are then made. That could give place to bondage and human suffering because we're afraid. And the reason we're afraid, the, the, the counter for this, saints, is not to say, oh, I'm not going to be afraid. No, the counter is I will fear God. Your fear of God overcomes your fear from the devil. In the, this verses, fear by definition, is one who flees from battle or one who exhibits cowardice. Flees from the battle. Boldness, saints, not cowardice, 
is the mark of the Holy Spirit. As I was preparing, after I'd, I was completed finishing my notes, I kept hearing these words roll around in the back of my head, and here's what they were. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing them. Now, you joggers, y'all need to remember that. Come on now, give me some a room for levity. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing them, but the righteous, say righteous, are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Whatever you're faced with, whatever circumstances you're dealing with, whatever you have in front of you, be bold as a lion. Do not cower in fear. Because God didn't give you that spirit of fear. In this verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7, he said he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power. That's the same word as Acts 1, 8. Of course, a lot of us know dunamis. I, get, I laugh at people saying that we get our word dynamite from that. And, uh, you know, like God's going around blowing things up. It's really a word that means inherent power or ability. But after you shall receive, you shall receive supernatural power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 1.8. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of dunamis, of power, the ability, inherent ability. Whatever, whatever you're facing, whatever you will face. He's giving you the ability to do it. You know when you don't have that ability? is when you cower in fear and you negate that ability. You don't eliminate it. You don't remove it, but you cancel it out with your fear. Instead of saying, bless God, I'm going to wade through these weeds. You say, well, I'm going to go hide behind that wall over there. and Hopefully this will go away. That's fear. He said he gave us the, not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, agape, He's given with the spirit of agape, and agape always goes beyond itself. Agape always goes beyond self. It's not self-centered at all. It does not seek its own. As a matter of fact, that's the ESV says it does not insist on its own way. So if you are insisting on your own way, I can let you know biblically that is not agape. That is self-centeredness. He said he gives us the spirit of, of love and also the spirit of this Bible. The ESV says self-control. Yours probably said sound mind. Spirit of self-control or sound mind, which just means a mind that is safe. It includes the qualities of self-control and self-discipline. So God gives us the ability to control, be self-controlled. To self, that's the fruit of the Spirit, by the way. Galatians 5, 22, 23. Self-control and self-discipline. It's not that we can grit our teeth and strain so that we can be self-controlled or self-disciplined. It's, so it's because God gives us the ability to do that. But when he gives us the ability to do that and we still shrink back in fear, we have negated the impact of those things. Reminded me of the verse casting in verse first Peter five, casting all your anxieties or your timidity or cares upon him. K 
casting them off. You say, well, I, I really have, I struggle with this. Cast it on him. Give it to him. If you have a healthy, awesome fear of God, you believe, you will believe that whatever you're casting on him, he's bigger than that. You are not <laughs> bigger than that. You are not capable within your own ability to handle whatever that is. But if you are able to relinquish that to God himself and believe in the fear of God that this God is big enough, large enough, smart enough to deal with your circumstances, then you can rest in him. I love it when I get to a place I just have to say, well, you know, if God doesn't do this, it's not going to get done. You know, the rest, the restful part of that is I can stop. I can stop trying to do something. Okay, God, you know, either it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. But if it happens, it's going to be you. So I'm over, I'm going to be over here resting. Proverbs 12 says anxiety is a man in a man's heart weighs him down. First Corinthians, Paul wrote, I want you to be free from anxieties. Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything. Do you get a hint? Do you get a clue? Anxiety is that fear that grips us and paralyzes us and keeps us from moving forward. So we talk about overcoming fear. We have to talk about the fear of man. We have to, you know, a lot of us do what we do because we're fear, we're afraid of the response of mankind or people in our lives. And there should, there should be a certain amount of, I don't want to offend that person. There should be a certain amount of, well, you know, I measure my response here based on who's here and who's, you know, I, you, there has to be that. That's, there's some decorum we have to keep. But at the end of the day, we cannot start making decisions in our lives based on we're afraid of a person. Or persons. Because that grips us just as much. Obviously we can't be. Uh, have a fear of the devil. Uh, we talked just a few weeks ago. About how that. And this is in Colossians 2.14. Or 15. Uh, how that Jesus. is Bible tells us that Jesus disarmed. Or divested. The, the powers of darkness. Of their powers. He divested them. He disarmed them. He disrobed them. And he triumphed over the enemy and he made a public spectacle of them. The imagery there is this parade that he paraded the spoils of his victory, which were the demons, through the streets of heaven, having disarmed and disrobed them. Are you afraid of that kind of devil? Come on now. I am so tired of people... Being afraid of the demon, afraid of the devil. Ooh, don't get around. Don't get over there. A demon might get me. You know what? If you're walking with God and you're not giving in to your flesh on a, on a, a constant basis and, a, and living a lifestyle of flesh, you ain't got to worry about a demon getting on you. The only way you're going to get a demon involved in your life is if you leave, leave the door open. First John 3 says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
And Hebrews, writer of Hebrews said that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Do you get the impression that Jesus came to destroy the devil? Jesus did destroy the devil. We see that. And why in the world do we spend our time afraid of the devil? Ooh. Take that same afraid, quote unquote, and transport that to God. He said, don't fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who, once they kill the body, they can send you to hell. And he finishes out and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Fear of death, lifelong slavery. Well, we, we also have the issue of the fear of failure. And I think this was a lot of the, the two in, individuals in the two parables that they were afraid of failure. They hid the talent. They hid the mind because they were afraid, oh, I'm going to disappoint. I'm going to fail. And so the failure keeps you from doing anything. I can tell you today that you will be better off to go ahead and do something and fail than to do nothing because you can never succeed doing nothing. Fear of failure. And failure, I wrote a Kernels of Truth years ago by this title. I think Ronald Gray has a sermon by this title. Failure is not final. Just because you fail at something doesn't mean it's the end. Doesn't mean it's the end of you. It doesn't mean it's the end of your mission. Doesn't mean it's the end of your ministry, your goal. It just means you got to pick up and get going again. Uh, the righteous falls down seven times and gets back up every time. The issue is not whether or not you fall down. The issue is about whether or not you get back up. So don't worry about failure. Just bust right on in. And as I was writing this list, I... I thought the Lord just said, write this down. The fear of success. I thought, is that a thing? But buddy, if you go to psychology websites or websites of those who deal in psychology, you'll find out this is a real problem. Fear of success. And most people who have a fear of success are not afraid of the success itself, but the, but the byproduct. Oh, now I'm going to have a bigger company. I'm going to take more responsibility. Oh, because I'm successful, I'm going to be open to criticism. I mean, there's a whole list. Just do it. Just I don't Google anything. I duck, duck, go it. But anyway, well, however you look stuff up, duckduckgo.com, by the way. They don't trace you. They don't keep a record of your searches. But if you do that, you'll find out that there's a plethora of websites listing the fear of success. And maybe you're, maybe you're sitting here today and you, you, you're so afraid to, for success because of the circumstances that it will lead to. It doesn't matter whether it's a fear of success, the fear of failure, the fear of the devil, the fear of a, fear of mankind. Any of the, all of those do the same thing. They grip us and they paralyze us and they keep us from moving forward. Everybody say forward. forward. Kingdom of God is linear. Peter writes that to be watchful because your adversary, I hope you know that you have an adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And sometimes when we see that verse, we think, oh, then he wants to come possess us or he wants to give us demonic activities in our life. And can I tell you that if the enemy causes you to shrink back in fear, he's devoured you. 
He has won because he took your hand off the plow and he caused you to cower in fear of what might, what might or might not happen. He said he's seeking someone to devour like my timer. And then he says, resist him firm in your faith. James says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It's in that order, by the way. Those James and this verse in Peter tells me this much. We have the wherewithal by the Spirit of God to resist the devil. Don't wait for God to run him off. You run him off. He's given you the authority. He's given you the grace. He's given you the power. You you can resist him, and you should. I should. We all should. Do not fear or be dismayed. And the word there really is a word that means shattered. Uh, have you ever, Have you ever heard somebody say, this such and such happened to me, and I was shattered because of it? And God is saying that within in him, we don't have to be shattered. Do not fear and do not be shattered, for I am with you. Listen to the description of this army. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons. And are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. And the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army. For his camp is exceedingly great. He executes his word. He who executes his word is powerful for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? They run upon the walls. They leap in the city. They climb into the houses. They're moving forward. Never mind. He's describing locusts. But you can't miss what it says. This has always amazed me. The Lord utters his voice before his army. My point of reading, that's Joel 2, by the way. My point of reading that is, we see a description of what God's looking for. He's looking for people who will run through a wall, go over a wall, jump, whatever it takes. Not be paralyzed by fear of the enemy, fear of circumstances, but to move forward. Then David said to his son, so to Solomon, his son, be strong. And courageous and do it. How about that? Be strong, courageous, and do it. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed or shattered. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And I say to you today, do not fear, 
Do not be dismayed, for your God is with you, and he will not leave you until all the work is finished. And when all the work is finished, saints, we're going home. Wherever home is then, we're going home. But until then, we have no reason, no reason to fear. Now, we will. All of us will. We'll deal with it again. But I want to tell you, we don't have to. And we don't have to go back into that that bondage, the slavery of fear. But we can live with the fear of God, the fear of the Lord God, in his awesomeness, in his majesty, in his greatness. And he can overshadow everything that we deal with and everyone. Stand with me. Lord God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. I pray for every, especially for those who might be dealing with some aspect of the fear that comes from the enemy. The fear that would grip and the fear that would paralyze. The fear uh, that will, it would immobilize us. But I really pray for all of us that we would, we would, uh, uh, find that place that we have a healthy, awesome fear of you, Lord God, as you have described in your scripture, that we would see you greater than any problem we encounter. We would see you greater than any circumstances that we might face. We would see you larger than what seems to be the largest things we deal with, but we would see you as the one and the only one who can get us through whatever it is. I pray today for everyone under the sound of my voice that we would not succumb to the spirit of fear, but we would give ourselves to your Holy Spirit of righteousness. And that we would, uh, each one of us, rather than given to that, that kind of fear, we would give ourselves to viewing you as you are. Viewing you as a great God, a majestic God. I thank you for helping us get a healthy perspective, Lord Jesus. Any For any today who are living in the grip of fear, I pray for them to be delivered from that fear, to that, that grip, that bondage to be loosened. Enable all of us, Lord Jesus, to put our hands on the plow and plow for the kingdom of God, sowing the seed of the word of God, so that your kingdom would come to the earth And your will would be done in the earth just like it is in heaven. And we could say, come, Lord Jesus, come. I thank you for this time together today. I thank you for, Holy Spirit, what you are saying and have said to those of us here today and those under the sound of my voice. I also thank you for the work you will continue in our lives, even after we leave from this place and go about our lives, go about our world, Lord God. Use us as your people. Use us as your kingdom subjects to advance that kingdom forward. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a great week.